All right, well, like I said, my name's Sam. Um, I know a lot of you. Um, I was thinking about it this week. Um, my wife and I have been a part of Pikes Peak Christian Church for just over 11 years. That's crazy. Um, and, and it's weird. Um, we've lived in our house, the house that we're in, we've lived there for 12 years. And um, even as a kid, I have not lived anywhere as long as I have lived here. So this really feels like home uh, for, for us. We've been in the same house, same church uh, for a little over a decade. And man, we, we love it here. <laughs> uh, we don't want to go anywhere else. Um, now, uh, about uh, three and a half years ago, um, I had the opportunity, the privilege. God called me into ministry. And I get to come work in, um, in my church. Um, and I get to come on staff here in the church that I love. Um, and then about a year ago, I got some new additional responsibilities uh, doing what we call family discipleship. So I was doing kids and students before that. Now I get to do a adults uh, as well. And so, man, um, I'm just, I love it here. And, and I tell you all that uh, because I know that some of you are new and we don't know each other very well. And so I just feel like we need to get to know each other. There are so many people who've been coming to check out our church and who are new every single week. And so it's a little bit awkward for me because this is a family, right? I mean, we guys, we're family, right? And, and so it's a little bit weird uh, that you're here with our uh, family um, joining us this morning. We love that you're here. We're so glad that you're here. We're excited that you're here. Um, but I know that it can feel a little bit awkward. So I'm just trying to help you get to know me a little bit. All right? Uh, so my wife and I, uh, we've been married 13 years. Um, we have had four children in that time. The oldest is 11. Uh, the youngest is five. That's Wesley. Uh, that's enough. Um, it's Wesley. Um, Wesley is a five-year-old boy and everything that that entails. And Wesley goes to all-day kindergarten starting this year. Hallelujah. Um, we're very excited about that season of our lives. However, our 11-year-old goes to sixth grade this year. We are not excited about that season of our lives. But we are right there um, in, in the midst of that. Um, in between there, we have uh, two boys uh, who are nine and seven. They are both on varying degrees of the autism spectrum. Um, and uh, we have, uh, we have uh, some amazing, uh, amazing family. Um, but but we've, we've grown up. I mean, all that's developed in this place. This is a family for us. And many, many years ago, before all that was true, and before I had all these kids, before I worked here, we still lived in Wichita, um, I tried to learn how to do something. I tried to learn how to play golf. And it was my dad's idea, really. He wanted me to go play golf with him. And so he took me out, and, and we got on the course. And, um, and golf, golf perplexes me because it shouldn't be that hard. I mean, I'm not that athletic. I mean, I'll, I'll readily admit that. But, but really, it shouldn't be that hard because the, the ball doesn't move. Right? The ball just sits there, and the hole doesn't move. I should be able, and it's kind of a straight line sometimes. I mean, oftentimes it's really just a straight, and I should be able to hit the ball to the hole, and it shouldn't be that difficult. But if you've ever played golf, you know that that is not true, right? It's incredibly difficult to make that stupid little ball do what you want it to do, right? And so uh, when I was learning to play golf, though, my dad would take me out, and he would stand there, and he would watch my swing, and he would watch my stance, and he would watch my posture, and he'd give me tips, and he'd give me correction, and he um, got me to the point that I can now um, successfully navigate a course in less than 120 strokes, which is terrible, actually, but, um, but at least it's not 300. So, um, um, but, but my dad was right there, right? And he coached me through that. And, and what I realized is, is that this thing that seems so simple, this thing that should have been really easy, it wasn't. And I needed somebody to come alongside me and point things out to me and show me and teach me and lead me and how to do this thing in order for me to do it. And what I realized is that being a Christian, 
following Jesus, getting to know him, surrendering your life to him, it's kind of the same thing. Like it seems, we, we talk in church like it should be this easy thing, right? Just, just give your heart to Jesus. Just surrender your life to Jesus. Just say yes to God, right? Even our mission statement makes it sound kind of simple, right? Say yes to God, and that's awesome. But the truth is, is it's so incredibly difficult to actually do it. We can't do it alone. We can't do it on our own. That's what I've realized. And, and I don't think we were meant to. And so we jumped into this series uh, called Better Together. Pastor Darren kicked that off uh, for us last week, uh, kind of giving us an overview, an idea uh, of what it means to be in community, why the, the biblical precedent for community. And this week we're going to continue in that series, but we're going to look at uh, this topic, what makes us better. Now, I wrote that, and then it got printed, so I couldn't change it. And I thought, man, that sounds like I'm saying we're better than everybody else. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think that. We don't, we don't believe that. And, and I'm not saying what makes us uh, more significant, what makes us more important, what makes us better. Uh, I'm not saying that w- these are the things that make us better than everybody else. But what I am saying is these are the things that help us be better at following Jesus. All right? What are those things? How do we do that? How do we engage in a way that helps us to be better at following Jesus? And so um, as we were uh, kind of digging into this topic, as we were thinking about these things, uh, there's a passage uh, that came across uh, my desk that I, that I found, that I discovered, rediscovered uh, in the book of Acts. And so here in just a minute, we're going to open up uh, our Bibles. It'll be on the screen as well, but we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. It's the very end of the chapter, the last five verses of Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at that passage because in that passage, there is described for us this community that grew together early on. There's a community that was formed shortly after Jesus uh, came to earth, after he died and rose again, right after he had gone into heaven to be with the Father, uh, those that were with him, the, the 12 apostles um, were, were there and they were um, forming this new community and they were overseeing it and leading it directly. And so um, we get a picture of what that looks like. And I think it could be helpful for us as we seek to know how do we grow in our relationship with Jesus to look at what they did 2,000 years ago. So here we go, Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42. Here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We're just going to read the whole thing, uh, and then we'll come back and and pick it apart a little bit. Um, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, right? That's a beautiful picture of the early church. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, but, but, you know, when I first read this passage years ago, um, it, it seemed like, What I was reading was saying, this is how the church should be. This is how the church should function. And and it's sort of saying that, but not exactly. Because the the danger is, what we tend to do sometimes when we read scripture like this, is we say, well, this is what it looked like. So if we could just make our lives look like this, then we'd have it figured out. And we'd have it all together, and it would just work for us. And, And what we're forgetting is that it was a very different culture and a very different context in which this was written. So I read things like, they gathered together in the temple courts every day, and I go, oh my goodness, we're supposed to have church every day i love church but that sounds exhausting y'all i guess a lot of work man i don't even know how we would pull that off i'm not even sure we could do it 
We, I mean, I've got a family that I'm trying to raise. They've got homework. We've got extracurricular activities. I've got dinner to make. Uh, there's all these things. And I go, man, is this what we're supposed to do? Give up everything? Give up our whole way of life and shift it to, to be this way that we read in here? And then I step back and I go, wait a minute. Let's maybe, instead of, instead of looking at Scripture through the lens of my life, what if I look at my life through the lens of Scripture? What if I flip that over a little bit? And as I step back and realize that what was happening in this culture, what was happening in this context, see, see the, the Jewish community was already going to the temple every day. They were already there. That's where they went to pray. It was normal. Everybody in the whole town, the whole city, everyone who called themselves a Jew would go to the temple to pray. So, so as I realized that, I realized that this isn't saying this is how you should do it, but rather that there are principles that they were following in this time that we should pull out and see how they apply to our lives today. Does that make sense? Does that sound good? So we're going to break this apart a little bit and see if we can't find uh, these five principles that I think are in this text for what we need to do, what we can pull out of what they were doing, not mirror their lives exactly, but these principles that we can pull out and apply to our lives uh, to grow in community, to grow in discipleship, to grow closer to Jesus. So here's what we see. The very first verse, they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, we're going to pause right there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The first thing we see is that they were devoted to learning about God. So that's the first principle that we pull out there, right? That we need to learn about God. We need to learn about God from his word. Now, why do I say from his word? Well, well here, what was happening is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, The reason they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and not other teachings is because the apostles had been with Jesus. They were there when he healed the guy who was born blind. They were there when he calmed the wind and the sea. They were there when he fed the 5,000. They were there when he gave the Sermon on the Mount. They were there when he taught. They they saw it firsthand. They knew Jesus. They'd walked with him for three years. They knew Jesus better than anybody else. And so as this new community of believers, a little over 3,000 of them, are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, of course you would go to the people who followed Jesus for three years, right? I mean, it only makes sense that that's what I would do, that that's what you would do. And so that's what they did. They devoted themselves to that teaching because the apostles knew Jesus. And fortunately for us, we get to do the same thing. Because as the church progressed... The Holy Spirit inspired the apostles to write down what they were teaching, to write down what they had seen in Jesus, to write down uh, what was there. And and God inspired those words into what we call the New Testament. The first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the New Testament, those books are the story of Jesus. It's what he did. It's who he was. It's how he lived. It's his teaching, his miracles, all that stuff in those first four books. And then we get to read about what the apostles did in the books of Acts. And then we get to see in the letters. They wrote these letters to churches and to individuals all over the known world at the time saying, this is who God is. This is what God did. This is what Jesus taught us. Remember this thing and here's how you apply it. And so we too can learn from those who were with Jesus. We have it in the scripture. And so that's why we base our teaching on the word of God. The Old Testament is also incredibly important for understanding who God is, for understanding how we got here, for understanding uh, the consequence of sin and and the place that sin has had in our life. It's incredibly important. But what I want you to understand is is we base our teaching not on, hey, I feel like God said this thing to me. I'm never going to do this to you, by the way. I'm never going to get on this stage. And I know Pastor Darren is never going to get on this stage and say, hey, guys, the Lord told me something this week. It's not in the Bible, but I'm going to tell you anyway. We're not going to do that. Right? Right? 
We learn about God from his word. He has revealed to us himself in scripture, and we hold that in high esteem. And so we always go to the word and present the word, right? Now, why do we need to do this in the context of community? I mean, we're learning about God right now, right? What we're getting into his word right now. Why, why isn't Sunday morning enough? Why can't we just do this in this place? Well, it's the second word there where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, church people, we think of the word fellowship and we go, oh, I know what that is. It's when we have potlucks. (laughs) Right? When I think of fellowship, I always look at Tom Downing and I say, we're going to go have steak, right? Tom always buys. Don't tell him I told you. Don't, don't tell him. Um, anyway, so, but that's what we think of, right? We, we say fellowship, and we go, oh, it's hanging out together. It's spending time with one another. And that's almost sort of not really right. Because what the word really means is to share. And in this context, it doesn't mean sharing the things that you have. It doesn't mean sharing your physical possessions. It means sharing yourself. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching And to the sharing of themselves, which means they're saying, hey, this is what God's showing me. Hey, this is what God's doing in my life. Hey, this is what I see God doing. And and in the context of a community group, in the context of a small group community, whether it's a Bible study or, or a group of friends that gets together or a life group, whatever that context is, what happens when you dig into God's word together is you go, man, I mean, I've studied this passage. Here's what it means, guys. And then there's always that one person across the circle from you who go, I disagree. I see it this way. I see it through this lens. And the reason for that is we all come with our own baggage. We all come with our own story. We all come with our own lens that we're looking through. And there's something that happens when we sit in a circle and say, this is what I see in this passage. And this is what I see in this passage. And this is what I see in this passage. And pretty soon we have a new perspective on who God is. And we get a clearer picture of who God is and what God is asking us to do because we're doing it together and we're sharing that perspective with one another. It's incredible when it happens. And so it's important that we do it in the context of a community, right? Because the truth is, man, you may be reading this passage, you go, hey, I I got a question. Hey, hey, I see this thing here, and I want to talk about it. That ain't going to happen this morning. (laughs) We we just don't have the time. It would be chaotic if all of you said, hey, I want to share what I see. I want to share what I'm learning about. But it can happen in the context of a small group community, and it's so important that we get into an environment where we can do that with one another. Now, the next thing that we see, in this passage, is they devoted themselves also to the breaking of bread. Now, literally here, this is the breaking of the bread, which is a reference to communion. And we do communion every single week in this church during these worship services. We just did it a few minutes ago. And the reason for that is because in the early church, the example that was set for us, whenever they got together, they took communion. So whenever we get together, we take communion. And the reason it's so important is because this is what makes us The church. This is what binds us together, right? It's Jesus' death and resurrection. The fact that he overcame sin and death. That's what brings us together as a community. That's the cornerstone of our faith, of who we are as believers in Jesus. And so we celebrate that every time we come together. But the next thing we take away for our smaller group communities, they were devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. 
We just did a whole series on prayer, several weeks, talking about the Lord's Prayer, how to pray, how to engage in prayer, what that looks like, right? Pastor Darren did a fantastic job of unpacking that for us. Uh, And if you missed that and you're curious about prayer, you can check out those uh, sermons on the website. They're always there. You can go back and listen to all of those and kind of get an idea for um, what it means to engage in a prayer life. And and I know many of you are engaged in prayer. I know that we're going to engage in prayer here this morning. We've already done it a couple times. We prayed for communion. We prayed for the offering. Here at the end of the service, I'm going to pray for you guys. You're going to have an opportunity to pray um, towards the end of the service. There's people who walked the halls this morning praying for you before you even got here. There are people who prayed for you all week long. Our staff gets together and prays for all of the prayer requests that come in uh, during the week. Um, Once a week, we get together and do that. There's prayer that happens all the time in this place, right? And a lot of you are engaged in it, but what's different about this kind of prayer? I was thinking about it. And I thought, you know, why should prayer be so important to our community lives, to our small group communities? And this is what I I realized. Many of you um, I know have served um, in the military. Many of you are soldiers. Some of us are Air Force. That's still the military, by the way. I have a DD-214 to prove it. That's a form when you get out, for those of you who don't know. Anyway, but here's what I know, right? When you're in the military... You love your country, and you love your command, and you go and you serve, and you are willing to fight. You're willing to put your life on the line for your country. You're willing to put your life on the line for your command. But you are never more willing to put your life on the line than when it's your brother's life at stake. Can we agree to that? So here's what happens. We do battle for you in prayer all the time. We pray for you all the time. We connect with God all the time. But when you are in a small group community, you are brothers and sisters. And so when someone comes to you and says, man, I had the absolute worst day of my life. All of the things that we were worried about, all the things that we've been hoping didn't happen for the last six months, they all happened today. And you know exactly what that means for that person. You know exactly the impact of that. You feel the burden, you feel the weight, and you engage in prayer in a different way. And they engage in prayer for you in a different way. And it's significant. It opens us up to a whole new way of praying, a whole new aspect of prayer where you're fighting for each other in prayer. And it's a beautiful, amazing thing to watch. And so we pray together in the context of community. As we continue reading, we'll see that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now we're going to pause right there. Because here's what happened. They engaged in God's word. They were learning about God together. They were learning about about who he is. They were learning uh, what the apostles said, Jesus' teachings. They were um, praying for one another. They were praying for the church. They were praying uh, in this context. And they were doing this thing. Uh, But here's what happened. They didn't stop at learning and praying. They lived it out. And a small group community, a small group context, a community group is the best place to live out what God is asking you to do. By far, it's the best place. There's the most opportunity to live it out. And not only is the most opportunity to live it out and say, hey, God's calling me to do something. God's calling me to be more forgiving. Guess what's going to happen? The people in your community group are going to take you off. 
And you're going to have to forgive them because God wants you to walk in that. He wants to teach you that thing. Hey, uh, God's calling me to be more patient. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to happen in the context of the people that you know, right? And it's going to happen in this place where you're going to have to walk through that with them. But beyond just living it out in that context, here's what can happen. The people who are with you, the people who are walking through this with you, the people who are trying to coach you, who are, who are helping you live this out, who are helping you walk with Jesus, they're going to see things in your life that you don't see. And if they love you, they're going to make you see them. Several weeks ago, I, uh, it was after church, it was a Sunday afternoon. Now, and I told you, I have, I have a child, I have a seven-year-old who's on the autism spectrum. And, um, and I will just tell you, you have not changed a diaper until you've changed a big kid diaper. Let me just say that, okay? Um, so some of you special needs parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Um, <clears throat> so, so here's the thing, right? My son, he's seven, right? He's not toilet trained, and so he's, he's got a diaper that needs to be changed badly. <laughs> and so my wife, in her exhaustion, said, hey, hey, William, William needs his diaper changed. And I said, okay. And I looked at William This is a terrible thing, okay? Look, just, it's a terrible thing. I looked at William. I said, hey, William, do you want dad to change you or do you want mom to change you? (laughs) Now, don't follow my example. But here's what happened. There's somebody from our community group who was standing right there. And she did what you just did. (laughs) And then... I tried to blow it off and apologize, say, yeah, 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 you're right, I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry. And they didn't let me get away with it. They got in my face, said, no, man, this, this isn't cool. What's, what? Like, seriously, this was, this was a not cool thing, and we're not going to let you live it down. We're going to remind you of this thing that you did because you need to not do it again, right? And they got a little bit in my face about it, but that's what happens when we live in community. The people love us enough to say, hey, man, I see this thing in your life. And maybe it's not a sin issue yet, but it's about to be. And it's going to destroy you. What are you doing? And we don't let it go. We don't back off. We help each other and we push each other to live the way that God has called us to live. And we engage in community life. It's so important that we have people in our lives who will do that for us, who will see our blind spots and not let them go, who will see the things that we're uh, vulnerable to and, and stand in the way and not let us fall into those traps. It's so important that we have community around us in order to grow and to live out what God's called us to do. The next thing that we, have, that we see here is from the same passage, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They didn't do it out of an obligation. They cared. Like, like this wasn't a legalistic society where they said, hey, hey man, oh, oh, you're not supposed to do that. I caught you. That's not how they did it. I love you. I don't want to see you fall into this. I don't want to see your life be harmed. I don't want to see your family hurt because of this thing. I love you. I care about you. I'm going to engage in this way. They cared for one another. They cared for one another's needs. They took care of each other, right? That's what we do in community. And guys, I just got to tell you, like, if you follow the back of the bulletin, if you look on there, or or the front, depending on, I don't know which side's the front and back, whatever. If you look on there, though, um, you'll see attendance numbers, right? Each week, we'll tell you what the attendance from last week was. And if you follow that, you'll know that our average attendance here has been about 12 or 1,300. And that's if we include kids and students, so that's the whole thing, right? About 12 or 1,300. On any given week, there's 12 or 1,300 people in our church. We love that. But what you don't know is that if we look at the data a little bit more intently, we know that a lot of our church families 
can only make it here once a month. And yet the average is still twelve or 1,300. So what that tells us is that our church is not twelve or 1,300 people. It's more like 3,000 people. There's no way that the staff alone, I mean, we have a great care center, but there's no way the care center alone can know about and care for every single need. We've got to do the work ourselves. We've got to get each other's lives and care for each other. We have to. It's a mandate that we take care of one another. And here's what that looks like. It looks like a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Somebody calling me? Oh, that's somebody in my life group. Hey, man, what's up? I need your help. Tell me where. That's what it looks like. It, it, it looks like when, uh, and this happened to me it, it last, last winter, my heater went out in the middle of the night. We woke up and it was like um, 40 degrees in our house, right? And it's 20 degrees outside, it's, it's snowing, and, and my heater is not working, right? And I've tried everything I can think of. It's 10 o'clock in the morning, it's still freezing, it's still snowing, it's still cold in my house, and, and I'm going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to fix this thing. Well, I just happened to have somebody in my community who's an HVAC guy. I call him up. I say, hey, man, I know you're at work. I hate to bother you, but I need your help. He said, no problem. Do this, 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 and this. If it doesn't work, call me back, and I'll be there in five minutes. We care for one another. We step into each other's lives. That's what it looks like to live in community. And we do it not out of obligation, not out of a legalistic standpoint, and we know that because of what's next. The next verse tells us, maybe. (laughs) Tells us that every day they met together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with what? With glad and sincere hearts. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Guys, they enjoyed each other. They didn't do this because they had to. They didn't didn't put up with these people because they were forced to, because it was an obligation. They did it because they loved each other. They enjoyed each other. They were friends. We need friends, don't we? And I can tell you, my, my group, my life groups in different seasons, the groups that I've been a part of, I have never laughed as much as I have when I'm with them. I've never cried as much as I have when I'm with them. I've never been talked into doing more stupid things than when I'm with them. Because we're friends. More than that, we're family. We enjoy each other like family. We take care of each other like family. We love to spend time together. There's not a person who I've been in community group with that I don't long to hang out with, that I don't just love being around them, just being with them. Because we're family, and we enjoy one another. And I've had the privilege over really the last two decades of my life. In middle school, I had great small group leaders who cared for me, who stepped into my life and made me feel like I was important, like I mattered. In high school, I had incredible people who who helped me see my gifting and how I could make a difference and how I could contribute to the church and the kingdom. And as we came out here, we had an incredible life group uh, that welcomed us in, brand new parents without a clue what we were doing, brand new city, and they took us into their home and treated us like family. And throughout my years, I've been blessed to have different families, different groups that I've been a part of that have helped me do these five things. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be the guy I am today if it wasn't for those people. I wouldn't be a pastor, that's for sure. There was a group, there was a community group that met at 6 a.m. at Jeff Madison's house. He was a pastor on staff here. Some of you know him. 
We met at 6 a.m. for almost a year. It was in that season that Jeff helped me see that God was calling me into ministry. Wouldn't be a pastor if it wasn't for that group. There was a season in which my wife was engaged in a women's group, a women's Bible study here on Tuesday mornings. And at the time, I was far from God. This was years ago. And I was far from God. And I was considering having an affair. I was considering leaving my wife. I, I wanted out. And her group said, I don't think so. And they fought for me in prayer. They fought for me. They fought for that relationship. And I'm convinced that it was their commitment that saved me from doing something really, really stupid. It saved my marriage. We need each other. We need community. We were designed for it. We were meant for it. This is the only way to live as a Christian. And maybe you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're not saying I'm a Christ follower, but you're curious about it. You, you want to know what it's all about. Man, there's no better place to find out than in the context of a community. Because they'll show you. And they'll love you like you're in, no matter what. So here's, here's what we're going to do this morning. I just want you to take a minute. And I want you to ask God, what am I supposed to do? In regards to forming a community, in regards to being a part of a community, in regards to the community that I'm already in, what, God, do you want me to do? Who do you want me to join with? Who do you want me to invite into my life? Whose life do you want me to step into? Who's going to help me do this thing? What is the family that you've prepared for me that you want me to engage in? And I just, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to just pray. If you've never prayed before, if that's like a weird thing to you, man, it is super simple. God, Show me what you're going to do. Show me who you are. Show me what step to take. That's all you've got to do is just ask him, God, what do you want me to do? And whatever you feel like he's telling you, whatever he tells you, whatever you hear him say, whatever you feel like he's leading you towards, I just want you to write it down. There's a place at the bottom of your bulletin to write it down this morning and to continue praying about that. Guys, on our end, I'm telling you, we're working really, really hard to build systems and structures to help you guys get connected, to help find those families for you, to help get the right people in the right groups in the right time in the right context and support them and train them and equip them well so that we can lead these things together, so that we can pursue God together. We're working really, really hard on that. And in the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear me roll out some things that we've, uh, that we've planned that God has led us to that are going to help us do that. But in the meantime, I just want you to pray confess, God, I need a family. I need a community. Would you show me who that is? Would you show me what that looks like? Show me the step I need to take in that.